Ube Chats, UBE, Unlocking Brown Egos, your podcast with two authors destigmatizing mental health access and mental health disparities to the Filipinx American youth and Filipinx American community all over the world. And we are your co hosts, Chachi Barra and Maylene Mamarado. If today's episode resonated with you, feel free to let us know at anchor.fm slash ubechats and send us a voice message. Well, let's listen to the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ube Chats, UBE, Unlocking Brown Egos. We're here with me and Tachi, and we have, like, literally, like, we're fangirling because we've been using this planner for a while, and we're like, this is the person that actually created it, founded it. So, yay! Can you introduce yourself real fast? Yeah, so my name is Dad. I go by Angel. I use she, they pronouns, and I am the CEO and founder of Passion Planner. First and foremost, uh, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule and meeting with the both of us, being in community, especially because mental health is something that is so important to not only the both of us, but to our community. And one thing that we want to ask before we get into the conversation and our podcast is why did you get into profession so actually it was birthed out of being depressed so i graduated from ucla in 2012 i didn't really know what i wanted to do and that was really challenging because i think my parents really wanted me to become a doctor and two years after i graduated into ucla i said i don't want to be a doctor i think i want to be an art major and i didn't tell them and i just changed my major without telling them that didn't go the best but i decided to spend two to three hours every night applying for scholarships and i actually made money in college because i did that then after i graduated i thought i was going to take over my aunt's flower shop because she was going to retire and then she was like i'm actually not going to retire and i was like cool beans not so cool but okay i respect that and i just knew that i wanted to be an entrepreneur but i didn't know what kind and my parents were pressuring me to find a normal job, but I didn't want that. So I ended up starting French macaron baking company and I shot photography. It was called the macaron studio. And after a week I realized I hated baking and I was like, damn it. Um, and then I was depressed for like, I think between six to nine months when you're depressed, you don't really have a real good sense of time. And I went on a vacation in Hawaii with my family and I didn't have to bake. And I realized that when you do something that you really don't like, it really just pushes you into to depression really quickly. I was like, well, life's so much better when you don't have to wake up and bake. So I was like, okay, well, I really want to start something. I know what has really helped me during my lifetime when things were kind of hectic and it was always a planner, but I didn't really like any of the planners on the market. I would buy maybe like six every year and make notes on like what was good and what was bad. And I had read 150 self-help books by that time. And I was like, there's nothing that connects all this wealth of information about self-help and lifestyle design into a planner. And I was like, oh, I think I could do this. I could make it very fill in the blank so that people are not only planning their day, but thinking about, well, what is it that I want out of my life and how can I take steps every single day to get there? So I designed it on paper and then, well, actually on Photoshop first, got really frustrated, went back to designing it on paper, made it on paper and then translated it, went on Google, searched notebook manufacturers, found a manufacturer, launched it on Kickstarter and went from idea that first initial kind of concept to having the planner all around the world, I think in two and a half months. So I think 10 weeks and it felt like finals week every week. And yeah, I mean, the first year, um, the first Kickstarter raised $48,000 from my parents' garage. The next year ran another Kickstarter, same planner, just half the size and uh, raised $650,000 on the Kickstarter and $1.2 million on the website. So literally became a millionaire over the course of like a month, um, which is really wild. So a lot of people, yeah, don't really know the, the growth trajectory. Cause I think that's, and that happened when I was tw- 23, almost 24. So yeah, it was a wild, wild ride. So I guess that's how I got into my profession. Um, it really was by me trying to solve my own problem, coming up with something that worked for me and then sharing it with the world and then figuring it out on the way. Cause now I'm 
30 and woo, that's been a wild ride. Oh, that's so crazy. And also fun fact, Chachi's from Hawaii. So when you mentioned Hawaii, I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah. And also for me personally, I'm actually also from that background where my parents, like, they didn't force me to be a nurse, but they're like, you should probably be a nurse though. Yeah. We're just saying, like, like passive aggressive, like, you should probably do it. So, yeah, so I'm definitely going through the same phases as you now. And the fact that it kind of just happened for you is honestly so inspiring and so like motivating for me who just graduated from college and I'm still figuring that whole thing out right now. Yeah, and one thing that I'm learning is passion planners work really is in helping people define what they want to do and what they would love to do versus what they should do. And I have a saying within my friend group when I hear someone use the word should, I was like, oh, you just should it all over that person. And it's like, oh, I don't want you to should and tell people what they what they should do with their lives. Like that is um, like honestly politically very colonial. Like we're colonizing each other, telling one another what to do with our lives because I'm just like, uh, I'm just not my favorite. Um, we can make suggestions, but whenever anyone uses the word should, I'm like, hey, that's what you think you would do in their situation, but you're not them. So um, like this language is super important, especially in self-talk. One thing that I have been working on for the past three years is like really being conscious of when I tell myself I should do something. So like, even if I was like, oh yeah, I should work out or I should eat this or I should do that or I should study or like whatever. It's like, hey, what would I love to do? It helps me guide living in integrity with myself, which I think is the opposite of what got me into a very depressed state. It was me living completely out of integrity. What I knew wasn't my truth. Thank you. And also I love the words of wisdom because I also read like, I have in her purpose, like the book right now and you're literally the first chapter. So I can definitely sense those vibes with like from your chapter here. When you're speaking, I'm like, oh my God, like this is literally how you talk. And like, yeah. And I think that relates back to your profession as well, because it's also like an organization, it's a company. So how does like your like profession and your product support the mental health needs of our Philippinex community and everyone around the world? Yeah, I think it's the slowing down. If I can gift everyone something, it would be the time to slow down, to really be in touch with what they would love to do what they would want to do, what their dreams are, what their goals are. Because even if it's like 10 minutes or 30 minutes of like really intentional time and setting that as the foundation or as like the North Star for everything else in their life, what a different type of life you, that person's going to live. You know, even if you have it working in the background, like even if it's like, hey, I, I want, I write down that I want to run a marathon, like you're going to be so much more aware of the opportunities to run a marathon your friend says oh i want to run a marathon you're like oh i've always wanted to run a marathon too you know and i think it's taking the subconscious desires and making them very conscious and tangible by writing them in a planner and making that um very explicit i have a saying that the universe is your assistant the universe wants to help you um but it needs to know what you want and you need to be specific because if you just say, hey, I want to run a marathon that's very different than I want to run the Chicago Marathon in 2022, you know, at this pace and with these people. And I think that how Passion Planner really helped people work on their mental health is it just gives them hope that their life is moving in the direction that they want versus the direction that other people are pushing them into or the direction that society wants us to do things in. Because oftentimes it's that pressure to do something that is not in alignment with ourselves that leads us into a lot of distress. I have another saying, which is like, okay, the difference between drinking water and drowning in water is who controls the water. And if you're drinking water, you're, you're controlling it. You know, you know the pace in which you want to drink and only, you know, I mean, I don't know how, if you've ever tried to give someone else water, it's really challenging to kind of pace it. And if you feel like water is coming at you and you're not controlling it, you, you're going to feel like you're drowning. And I think that's the same way of where the motivation is coming from. Is it coming from you or is it coming from someone else? And I think what Passion Planner does is it helps people slow down and think about, well, what are the things that I want? With no one else judging you, with no one else trying to tell you, you should do X, Y, and Z. And what's really beautiful is it's a journey that happens over time. It's not something that you do once and now that's your life and that's how you plan it forever. 
like you check in with yourself with this with the passion roadmap which is essentially this exercise that asks you what do you want to be do and have in the next three months one year three years and lifetime and then prioritize it to think about what is the most important goal how do you break that down to steps and how do you take those steps and put them into your plans for this week so that's something that you do constantly so you're you're integrating your goals into your current life in a manageable process that takes place over time because i think people do these like 75 day challenges and they want to change their whole life in 75 days and i'm like mm, that's kind of unrealistic because your life didn't become this way in 75 days it's literally taken years so um, i think passion planner is a really great tool to implement imperfect but consistent change into your life over time. I wanted to emphasize with what you shared, especially uh, because as, as as what you mentioned the, the very beginning, I kind of resonated with is the art of slowing down. Um, I think that's really uh, impactful and like really reassuring to hear because I think we live in a in a generation where we're always in a rush and we're never trying to um, take the time to just reflect on things and I think that's something that I, I, I think for me what I've constantly I'm learning and for and but that's my um own little rambling but uh, my actually my question that I had and I think I've been wanting to ask um as as you were um sharing with us is um being being someone as a as a as a figure in our community, I wanted to kind of like ask this question of how do you debunk mental health stereotypes as a non-binary queer individual? Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot of a problem, right? Like, okay, first mental health. Mental health, I think, honestly, because people are often from what I've seen in the Philippines discarded because of their mental health issues, because there's no resources, because um, there's a lot of stigma around it. And I've only visited the Philippines um, a handful of times. So I, I haven't lived there. I was born and raised here in the US. Um, but from my experience, it's like, oh, it's that the, you know, to use the ableist term, like crazy person on the corner, right? And it's like, okay, well, we don't want to be that. So that's the person that needs help. And I'm like, there's so, there's so much unpacking to do there when it comes to how we treat people with mental health illnesses. And um, for me, speaking from my own experience of just burnout and also um, like having a very colonized mind, like, and it's, a, it's such a big term, right? Like, and when I say colonized mind, I think it's like, oh, well, our, our people, we were colonized. We were told what we should and shouldn't do. And because of that, we think that American culture is superior than Filipino culture. Like that's what I was taught. Not, not directly, but indirectly. And because of that, like, there was just a lot of internalized racism, at least for me in my in my youth. Um, so for me, it's, so first mental health. I think mental health to me is a lot like physical health. You know, if you, you get checked, you go and see a doctor, you go to see a personal trainer if you can afford it. And it's a health, it's not a fix it and forget it. It's, you maintain it over, time and it fluctuates you know sometimes you get sick um when i when i feel like i'm mentally burnt out i feel like i'm mentally sick like i have a, a cold or, or the flu and i know my signs enough to be able to tell the people around me like hey i think i'm really close to a mental injury like i know that i'm burning myself out i don't feel like myself and for me it's like really normalizing seeing a therapist if you could afford it. really normalizing rest so almost like so many people on my team, they see a therapist. There have been times where people on my team are going through some some stuff and I'm like, hey, I'm willing to sponsor a therapist for you if that's what you need. Do you need a week off? Do you need time? Like it's, I don't know how to address it in our whole community, but I know how I'm addressing it in my own circles of normalizing, seeing a therapist, um, seeking professional help when needed. 
you know, being really conscious about how we treat our minds as consciously as we how we treat our bodies. Because I think that, at least for me, I, I was taught to exploit my brain. My brain works really well, it works really fast. I was taught to work it for 18 hours a day. And I don't wanna do that anymore. Like literally school was working my brain 12 to 18 hours a day. Like if I wasn't taking a test or in taking information, I was studying. And for me, I think that was me exploiting the capacities of my mind. And I don't do that. I, I try my best not to do that anymore because it's not healthy. And I think I'm trying to navigate what is healthy and what is not, what is my capacity. There's a really beautiful book called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And his last agreement is always do your best. And to me, and I add another thing, which is no more, no less. Like uh, doing your best is like toasting the perfect piece of toast. It's like just enough, but not too much to burn it. And finding that in how you handle your relationships, how you handle your mental health, your physical health, your spirituality, there's a middle ground for everything. And I think um, people are like, well, what's the middle ground? I'm like, well, you have to figure out that for yourself because it changes all the time. I think mental health, thinking about it in a way that is um, normalized is super important. And then speaking on the non-binary piece, I think for me, I'm still exploring what that means that what that means to me. Like my parents don't know that I'm non-binary. I think that if I were to tell them, like my when my dad first found out that I was uh, that I was queer, he thought I was trans because he didn't have any language between, like he didn't understand the nuance of sexuality or sexual expression or gender expression. And I don't blame him. He was in the military for 21 years. So this language was super new to him. So for me, I think in terms of my my gender and my gender expression, I think that I'm still kind of flowing through it. And I think that as we allow people to shine how they want to shine and we celebrate them in a way that isn't saying, oh, you know, even though you're blank, I still love you. It's more of like, you're this and I love you because of that. And that's actually something that like my girlfriend like expresses to people and coaches people through. It's like celebrating you for you and that being a part of you. And that's why I love you. As opposed to, this is something that I could not love you for. And therefore, because I love you, I'm proving to you that I love you, which is kind of this weird roundabout way. I guess the way that I liken it to people that aren't queer is if people are like, oh, you're Filipino, uh, that's okay, I still love you. It's like, what the, what the heck? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, it's like, well, I am Filipino. That's a part of who I am. That's a part of my identity. Um, and you can't isolate that away from the human that I am. And that's what I feel about, like, like you know, many characteristics, including sexuality. I, I think I just want to add on is that thank you so much for sharing. And and I know this, that question was a whole, a whole question in itself. And I think you, you did the best that you could. And I think with you sharing it, 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 it really is like, it, like important, especially with what you brought up about. Um, and one thing that inspired me is, if I could recall, is like when you, when you shared about how a lot of people from your team see therapists and you are able to sponsor one for them. And I think that's very, like really nice enough that I think because in our generation, like we hear, we hear a lot of people saying, um, you should get a therapist, but no one says, but, you should get a therapist if you can afford it or if or getting a therapist shouldn't always be like the one and done to get because it's it's really difficult especially if we're not comfortable for sure i mean seeing a therapist is scary i remember i was super nervous the first day i thought i had to prep and like i literally told my therapist my life story because i'm like i'm paying 150 dollars to see this person like my parents would be upset if they knew how much money I was spending on a therapist, you know? And I, and at that point I was already a millionaire. So for me, it's like, for it to be something that's accessible to me and I already feel pressure. Like I can't imagine how stressful it is for people that, you know, like they've worked like a whole week to save up this much money to be able or however long so that they could see this therapist. And, you know, if it's something that is reoccurring, like how can you afford that? Um, so I think it's just super important. I mean, I think another option 
is group therapy. I mean, I wish that therapists were a lot more accessible, but I don't think we're there yet. But I hope that, you know, to be a part of the movement that helps us get there faster. Yeah, and I totally relate to that. That's kind of the biggest reasons why I am a public health major for who I am, because I'm trying to address all the systematic issues that prevent us from seeking therapists and all the cultural reasons and all like the finances of it. So I really like, yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I, mm -hmm. so I think for me, one of, I think when I was reading In Her Purpose, one of the mantras that really stuck out to me was action cures fear. So like, can you elaborate more about that? Because I feel like for our Filipino culture, a lot of the decisions our parents do is based on fear. So I think fear is more accurately put, at least in my family, is scarcity. Like we do things because of scarcity mentality, not necessarily fear, because I think a lot of times my parents have done a lot of things for me out of love, um, fueled by scarcity, you know? I don't think they were fearful. I think that they just didn't want to um, like run out of, you know, the things that they had, did they didn't have in the Philippines. So I think Action Cures Fear to me is all about understanding that there's never going to be a perfect action. There's never going to be the right choice given all of the circumstances because it's like, well, what's your favorite color? Well, it depends, you know, like you can change your mind. It could be different for other people. Like there's no clear cut answer. So a lot of times when at least for me, when I was raised in this very education-focused education, education -focused system where there is a right answer, um, navigating a place where there you have to pick the best answer and not the right answer is really challenging. And now it's perfectionism. It's like, okay, if I don't get it perfect, I'm not even gonna try because if I get it wrong, I'm gonna be shamed. And I think that is very, very, that's a huge hurdle to overcome when you transition out of the educational system into real world. Because in the real in real life, there are many decisions and they're just decisions, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And sometimes even a bad decision leads you to really good luck. And who knows? Like there's a there's a story that says uh, it's like good luck, bad luck. Who knows? Like you can make a decision and that can give you good luck. That could give you bad luck. But what are we looking at? Are we looking at in the course of a day, in the course of seven days, in the course of a year? Like, you know, a lot of the biggest lessons that I've learned have been because of bad decisions or like bad circumstances and I'm like oh this is a learning lesson for me and I'm going to either learn from it or that lesson's going to come back again so for me action cure sphere is all about taking action to get over that fear of imperfection so the other quote that I love to say is it doesn't have to be perfect it just has to start so I think this is another way of saying that same concept of even though you might not think that it's the perfect answer, a good enough answer is good enough. And let's, let's run with it and, and course correct along the way. And I think that's honestly the difference between someone that wins and someone that just stays stagnant. And I think that the people that build the resilience in life are the people that are able to make decisions say, oh, that really wasn't that best of a decision. I'm gonna reflect on that and I'm gonna make another decision and keep their momentum as they flow through life. Yeah, thank you so much for elaborating on that. Because I also, like, I was also part of the Seth Godin's, like their little college, free college program for it. And that's pretty much what we did for us all the week is like stop trying to make it amazing as every, and everything, just start it and just roll with it. And that was kind of honestly the biggest lesson I learned from 2020. And I really just want to add on to Chachi if she has anything to add more and for also the next um, delivery point. As well. Yes, and exactly what I wanted to kind of add on is uh, we, when we we live in like a world that is so with 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 with, uh, with what I've been learning from you, um, I think what I can take from um, your from your mantra itself is. Um, when you mentioned about how um, Filipinos are scared of scarcity, I think, and what I, I got from what you do is you're, with the passion planner itself, you're moving from scarcity to having that abundance mindset that 
there's so much limitless and what we have to go through and i think you're truly paving that wave of so many different people out there it doesn't have to be in our filipino community but other communities out there who is who is struggling and who is has that fear of the unknown. Yeah, for sure. So I'm gonna go back to Hawaii because I was in Hawaii like not too long ago and I was surfing and I remember thinking, okay, if I miss this wave, I can't get attached because there's another one coming. There's another opportunity coming. And I think that's how opportunity works. It's so abundant. To, for me to think that there's not another opportunity coming at whatever I'm longing for, whether that be a girlfriend, whether that be, um, like a new business opportunity whether that be a new job or you know money whatever whatever we want like there's always another opportunity and i i believe so i actually believe in reincarnation and i believe if not in this lifetime the next is fine we're good we're good so for me like this abundance applies to opportunity. If we keep thinking that, oh, if we don't take advantage of this opportunity or I miss that opportunity and we beat ourselves up about it, we actually just missed another wave and another wave and another wave, but that's okay because they're just gonna keep coming. Like they're just, they're, they're, that's what they do. Opportunities are flowing constantly. And that's why whenever people are like, oh, well, you know, aren't you upset that this person copied your planner or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, honestly, I don't need a monopoly on the planner industry. If they find a way to serve other people in a way that I can't, more power to them. I, I, I have money, my team is taken care of, their families are taken care of, I am happy. I don't need a monopoly. And I think I personally just don't want to use my life to chase after money I don't need. That is so eye-opening, especially in this capitalistic society. Oh my God, that is so eye-opening. And as someone who's currently going through the job search right now, I like I need it. I need that on like the wave float on like my wall now when I'm stressing through the job search. So now I have that on my wall now. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm saying that um, say in our company, that is whatever's meant for you won't miss you. And if it misses you, that wasn't meant for you. There's something, there's another way of coming. Just be a little bit more patient. Keep on showing up. You can't just pretend like you're gonna catch the wave just chilling. You gotta put some work into it when it gets here. But when it does, then just like rise to the occasion. You miss it, it's okay, another one's coming. And it's like this, this really like, ease and flow way of living and i don't think it means being passive it's being it's being engaged but not attached if that makes sense well that makes a lot of sense and i think that's just so there's so much to process holy cow and i think for me like especially like you have such a grounded and such a like as that is a such a unique way of viewing the world I really want to ask, so like, how has your perception of mental health changed from when you were like our age, like when you were in your youth to how it is now? Because it's so radical to me. Okay, so how old are you? I'm, I just finished college, so I'm 23 now. 23, okay. Okay, so when I was 23, because um, it's very specific, because it's like, okay, 21 versus 22 versus 23 versus 24, so different for me. So when I was 23, I had just, like that was the year in which Passion Planner blew up. And for me, I had such a simple way of wanting to live. Um, I wanted to make about $60,000, still live in my parents' house, which is really a lot of privilege, and then travel, and then work potentially remotely. And uh, I had no aspirations to own a house, I just, knew that I'd be okay with renting, um, having roommates, that would have been fine for me. I grew up in a house, a two, three bedroom house with at least seven people living in it at all times. So for me, sharing space is not that big of a deal. So I'm, I had also studied abroad in um, Thailand and lived very frugally there. So I was like, okay, I can travel, live in Thailand, write. All I wanted to do was write and travel. And then very quickly, I went from this like, hey, let's live this like remote, um, what do they call it? Like a, nom like a nomad, like a digital nomad kind of lifestyle to very quickly amassing wealth that I couldn't control. Like I went from, okay, $60,000 a year to 
two million and I was like holy crap and I was like putting out fires and being reactive and that's when I started to really sacrifice my mental health I you know ate hot pockets every single day like I lived off of hot pockets um I was sleeping waking up working sleeping like um day in and day out and I think I did that for I think four months before everything stabilized but then I had a whole thing where I had to lay people off because we didn't have we didn't have any more planners to ship we went from selling four four planners a day to four thousand planners a day literally overnight so it was like whoa this is wild um so me at 23 having to lay off 20 people I had no HR experience. I had no experience with managing people or their expectations. And a lot of people were my friends. So unknowingly, I was taking all of these mental health hits. And I didn't have a therapist at that time. I was just navigating myself. I was just sad and navigating it, you know? And um, I think it took me a couple years. It took me losing my best friend. And then another friend saying, hey, I think you should see a therapist about this because um, my best friend had passed away from a stroke at 27, like out of nowhere. Um, And mine was like, hey, it's, you know, I I recommend that you see a therapist because I see a therapist and it's super helpful for me. So maybe you should. And she's another seat, like another high level CEO. That's my age, which was, I was like, okay, okay, I'll do it. So I did it. And, um, yeah, I've been seeing my therapist now for, I think, three years. Um, and it's been super helpful. I've been very good at being like, okay, what I need is to celebrate because as someone that grew up in a Filipino household, words of affirmation isn't really my parents' love language that they'd like to speak at me. Um, they do a lot of acts of service, but because of that, like, I need a lot of affirmation. So with my therapist, I'm like, I want to celebrate with you. I want us to take some time to celebrate the wins because if not, I'm just going to keep milling towards wins and utilizing my brain and my body and my connections to keep accomplishing. And we, we're done. We're, we're good. Like we can, we can go tomorrow, knock on wood, but we can go tomorrow and we've done a lot for the world. We have two thumbs up there. Um, so like, let's slow down, really think about what matters and make that very, a very intentional part of my life. So that's something that I worked on with my therapist. Um, and I think mental health has shifted as just a, another pillar of health, you know, another pillar of living a fulfilled life. Um, it's not something that I shy away from talking about in the same way that I wouldn't shy away from being like, oh, I had the flu, yes, last week. You know, like I was nearing burnout. Like last week, I told my um, COO, I was like, hey, Jax, I'm really close to a mental health injury. I think I need to take a week off which is why I'm taking a week off. I spent seven hours at the aquarium with my girlfriend today, you know, like, um, so for me, it's really, um, being okay with being a part of that, being a part of the conversation in, in normal conversation. Um, and it just being normalized, like, uh, literally someone at, on, at Passion Planner could be like, I'm going to take a mental health day today. That's it. That's all they have to say. Or they just need to say, I'm taking a day. I need a day off today. That's all they need to say. They don't need to justify it to us. They don't need to tell us this, this, and this. No, no, no. You got it. You asked for it. That's what you get. Okay, cool. Uh, Did you get your work done? Are you going to get your work done? Are you putting the company at risk? No? Okay. So, you know, just do you. Uh, We'll see you when you come back. So, I think it's been a journey to get us to this point where we can do that. And we have a team that is responsible for that responsible enough for that but you know we've been in business now for almost eight years and um i think a big part of it is just normalizing it them seeing me take mental health days off you know i have in my slack status mental health day or like mental health week and they know that i'm gonna come back stronger and happier like for me i actually am work i used to work in student affairs for like about a year and my my boss is also Panay. And the moment that she sees us bugging out over grades or us seeing like us freaking out over something, she's like, do you want to use your paid time off? You have it. Use it. And it's please use it. Yes. Yes. And it took me six months to actually use it. Yeah. And it might take you even longer to use it without guilt. 
because even me, I own this company. This is my company 100%. And I still hesitate to think about, mm, should I take time off? No, my team might need me. No, gotta, you got to take care of you because rest is a part of the recipe for success. I've never said that, but it sounds really good. But I think rest is like crucial. Like if, if I was LeBron James, which is funny because my girlfriend, when she watches me play basketball, she calls me LeBron James. But if I was LeBron James and I never rested, I never slept, I never took, you know, the off season off, like my game would be wrecked. So how, how are we expecting our minds, our bodies, our working, you know, functions to continue to work at this level um, when we don't even expect that from like the highest level performers on the planet? So one thing that I actually watched the Collective Hustle interview you did, like the 40 minute one, just so I can prep for this one. And one thing that really stood out to me was like, wait, I kind of want to work at Fashion Planner because you've mentioned Passion Week, which is a huge benefit that everyone gets. So can you explain that? Because I want to work there now because of it. Yeah, so Passion Week is a week where you get after your first year of working at Passion Planner, where you get a week, a paid week off uninterrupted to pursue one of your passions and you get a stipend depending on how long you've worked there. So your first year, you get $1,000, your second year, $2,000, and your third year, $3,000, and every year after that, $3,000. So um, it really was my attempt to uh, give people the opportunity um, for freedom, for freedom away from work. And also, um, to just experience life because like, the purpose of life isn't to work the purpose of life is to live but if you can't find time to live um uh, because your work is so demanding then like that's 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 a bummer and very early i knew that i wanted to take many vacations throughout my career and i knew that that's something that really helped me and i wanted to make that opportunity available to the people on my team because i don't do very much for passion planner, like, okay, yeah, I'm the CEO, I do interviews, I think about product development, you know, I give my insight on a lot of different things, but the people that are on the ground, putting in the work, answering the emails, you know, making the social media content, thinking about partnerships, I mean, there's so many different facets of passion planner that I don't do, that I need, I, I really wanted to do something for my team members to show them that I appreciate them and to allow them the opportunity to explore the world if that's what they wanted to do or explore something they were passionate about. Um, so that's something that has been going on for, I think six years now. Um, and you know, that's, if you've been working for me for that long, then that's like $18,000 that, and plus, you know, everything that you've, that you also get paid out for that week. So I think it's a pretty good gig, pretty good situation. Um, but I didn't want people to have any excuses. It's like, you can do, you, you can have freedom, please take the freedom. Um, and what's super interesting is like, in the beginning, people weren't taking advantage of it. We would have to force them. We'd have to say like, if you don't put in an application for Passion Week, you're gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be wasted. So please just do something. And at that point, I remember one of my employees was like, okay, I'm just gonna go to a hotel room in Mexico and play my PS2. And I think I started to deconstruct why wouldn't people use it? And it's because they have internalized guilt and they don't, they don't know how to take a break. That's that you're asking something completely foreign to them. That's not something that has been modeled um, to them through their parents. And that's not something that has been modeled to them in society. So this is something that's really new. So I think the more and more people that took Passion Week and were sharing like, oh, I went on this trip and I saw this thing and I did this thing and this thing that I really want to do for, the, for my whole life, I finally got to do it. Oh, once those stories started coming in, people were like, okay, okay, I'm going to do it. Uh, yeah, I love that perk because we were talking about it like, yo, it took us like a damn year to use it without guilt, okay? It's so hard. Use your paid time off when you can, y'all. Say it from two panais, y'all. Yeah, honestly, like you, like use the benefits that you have. Like you earn those. You, you deserve them. Take your breaks. Take your lunch breaks. Take your paid time off. Take your vacations. The company is not gonna crumble without you. And if you think that's the case, I'm gonna tell you right now that's not. <laughs> because for me, it's like this is how you protect yourself and your like your mental health. Like these are put into place to protect you. 
So just, just, just take them. You're not taking advantage of the system. You are actually using the system as intended. And honestly, the system is stacked for owners. I'm gonna tell you that straight up as an owner, you know? So what you're taking is not taking away more from the owner than it is taking away from you. So please take it. Snap, snaps to dad and Chachi is back. So do you have anything else to add on Chachi before we move on to the last? I actually, I actually don't. Um, I was just really invested with the conversation itself. I'll just ask my next question. I think that'll, that'll be more better. But um, in in all of the things that you have shared with us, um, which is really, really great, I'm really, really grateful uh, for this opportunity. Uh, I wanted to kind of ask this question and kind of twist it in a way. But how? Can we become a better advocate for experiencing mental health? What are some things that you would want to tell yourself, um, like your younger self, like wish you could tell your younger self? Because I can only speak for me, right? Like, I think that a lot of times we want advice, but advice is always contextual. Like, I can only speak from my experience and what has helped me become a better advocate for, for mental health in general and for mental health within my communities is not being afraid to talk about it and to share my story, my mental health journey, which, you know, I shared a little bit here in this podcast, which is, hey, life is freaking hard. Um, even when you have resources, like I, like even when I have resources, that shit's hard. Like that's really hard. That's really hard to navigate with yourself. That's really hard to navigate with your parents. That's really hard to navigate with your friends. And um, I think the number one thing is like, first taking care of ourselves. A lot of times we wanna save other people or we wanna externalize our impact. And you can't externalize your impact without internally being on solid ground first. So for me, it's really understanding, hey, like turning the mirror on myself and thinking, okay, how can I um, address, you know, whether that's generational trauma, whether that's trauma in general, whether that's abuse, whether that's um, abuse that I've done to myself, wh whatever, like, how do I address that first and be in good relationship with myself before I try to impact other people? Um, and I think that the most effective way to impact other people is honestly by sharing your own story and letting them make the decision. You know, when I'm trying to convince my, my parents to, hey, maybe you should see a therapist. I, my, me telling my parents to, don't, to do anything is not gonna go over well, like for real. So I'm like, okay, mom, it really, really was beneficial for me in my relationship with my COO, because we are, you know, kind of being nitpicky with each other to go to uh, couples therapy and to have a therapist um, mitigate our conversation because it really helped us feel heard, you know, as opposed to me telling my parents like, hey, y'all should do X, Y, and Z. Like, um, so I think for me, that's, that's, that's how I think to, I think the best way to approach mental health is in that way. And the second one is, I think, if I remember the question correctly, it was, what would I tell my younger self um, in regards to mental health? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think it's to understand that healing takes time. That sometimes you can understand something conceptually and get it. But healing your mental body takes time. You can't snap out of the pain. The pain might come back in the same way that, hey, you know, I fell off a bike, I scraped my knee. I understand that I'm fine. My knee is gonna heal eventually, but that doesn't take away the pain that I'm feeling right now. So I think sometimes when we get into injuries, where you know someone has wronged us or maybe we've wronged ourselves we think that just because we understand why and the reasons behind it you know the the excuses or whatever we think that we could just snap out of it and be healed nah it's gonna take time it might take it might take a week it might take an hour it might take a month it might come back you know you don't know so just understanding that healing takes time in the same way that heal physical healing takes time and just being patient with yourself and giving yourself grace as you know you figure 
figure out the situation and like for example if you like i don't know if you like broke your ankle like maybe in a year you're playing basketball and you might tweak it and it might the pain might feel the same you might trigger that pain again in the same way you get into an emotional injury you know you're you go through a bad breakup something reminds you of that person that pain might be there or you lost someone you know someone passed away in your life you really care about them and then something reminds you of them or that situation you feel a lot of grief and sadness that is completely normal and that's okay and to just be patient and give yourself grace and the same grace that you would give someone that you really love try to extend that grace to yourself that's that's i think the number one thing that was that was really fire out there and for for for, for someone like me and my really knows um uh, and i felt i felt really compelled to share this because you already shared so much and i think i wasn't really inspired by you but um because last night my like when you said um triggers can come back like i i had the worst like mental health breakdown last night and like just hearing you and share your story with us um it really reassured me a lot that um when we allow ourselves the the capacity to just have to give ourselves grace and to know that things will things things are not going to be overnight like going to get better but it's it's what you shared um that i i will i'll personally like take it into my own life is that healing is something uh is to to really have a great relationship with ourselves first before building it with others because i think that's the that's the secret recipe of like building a a really great community so i just wanted to share that and just to add on yeah and i'm proud of you you know i think that it's really difficult to have a really hard time in your mental health and then show up for the things that you've committed to you know that's a really difficult place and you know i'm glad that sharing my story has allowed you to share your story because now i feel like it's a little bit more normal to be like hey i had a real hard day <laughs> i had a real hard night i really just don't want to do anything right now um and i think that's okay so thanks for sharing that that's why i tell tachi all the time i'm like yo i just sleep all the time like let me sleep and do my own thing eventually and it'll come to me but for now let me i prioritize my sleeping so that's so healthy sleep is such a big part of living like no animal has guilt to sleep like my dog is not feel guilty that she needs to sleep all the time like and i think that's something that we've learned through conditioning that sleep is something that can be just put on the back burner and um if, like i think sickness is a messenger it's a message from your body that's trying to say sos you need to change something gotta change something before I, you better sit your ass down before i make you sit your ass down for real like or lay your ass down or whatever and I think that that's really, 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 really important for us to understand that our body is our ally. And literally, we are our, we are like the, the protectors of our bodies. Our body can't, our, our body isn't like, our bodies are like our dogs. <laughs> like I feed my, my dog doesn't get to choose what it eats. I choose, my mind chooses and my body just has to suffer the consequences, you know? And I think, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give my dog like a slice of pizza, even though my dog would really like a slice of pizza. I mean, I would give my body a slice of pizza because I don't get to metabolize it, but you know what I'm saying? Dogs can't really do dairy, but I think I can't do dairy either. So we need to think about that so as mirror moment. Um, but it's just really understanding that, you know, our actions have consequences and um, you got to take care of yourself. Like that is, that is, if, if everyone on the planet took the time to take care of themselves as much as they're uh, willing to take care of other people, this world would be so much happier. It would be so much happier, so much more fulfilled, so much more content, so much less resentful. Um, because I think, you know, I'm kind of going to go off into Filipino culture. Filipino culture is based on a lot of resentment because we've had to do a lot of things uh, because of obligation and not because we want to. 
And that's something that I've understood very quickly in my family. And I understood from my family's history of like, oh, you know, um, my mom had to do this for my uncle and my grandma and then, then this and this and this and this and this. And it's just this chain reaction of resentment. And I'm like, how, one thing that I have with myself is resentment is not an option. Meaning if I'm showing up, I'm showing up with a clear heart and a, and a, and a cool heart. You know, I'm, I don't feel pressure. I'm here because I want to be here. Because if I don't want to be here and I show up, resentment's going to breed. It's going to come up. It's going to come up. And if that person doesn't know that I didn't want to be there, that's not their fault. That's my fault. Love it, love it, love it. And honestly, I have, Trotty knows this, I have the same exact mentality now just because my last year of college, I was super burned out. And now it's just, I just show up when I want to. Like, if I don't need to, I'm not going to go. And if it's recorded, then like, why do I need to feel guilt about it? I'll just do it later. So, yeah. So that, you were saying so many things are on my mindset right now. Oof. And we're going to close it out just because we've been here for almost an hour now. But, like, it, this was such a pleasure. This was so much fun for me and Chachi. But, yeah, like, I feel so liberated now. Like, this is really what this whole conversation was, was liberating. So I how can you... See, Chachi seconds it, if you didn't hear it. <laughs> so where can people find you, contact you, and when can we look for those passion planners? Yeah, so you can find me on my Instagram, Angelia, A-N-G-E-L-I-A, Trinidad. And then for Passion Planner, it's the same thing, at Passion Planner. Um, yeah, super easy. Or Google us. It's cool. You can find us. It's not that hard. <laughs> awesome. So, And also, if you want to use a Passion Planner for free, you can go to the website and download the PDF. There's actually a PDF for a whole month and it's undated. So you can print it out, staple it in a manila folder and just utilize it however you want. And you don't have to buy anything on the website. Yeah, so thank you both of you for having me. I really appreciate you leading these conversations. I know that it's not something within our community that you know we dive into very often. So you know, I commend your cur cur courageousness um, to do that. So thank you. Mm -hmm.